This is the Counseling Convos Podcast. I'm Jerry Estrahin. They were beaten. They had lost the game. They were swept aside. It was not less tragic because it was so sordid, because that it had to do with wages and grocery bills and rents. They had dreamed of freedom, of a chance to look about them and learn something, to be decent and clean, to see their child grow up to be strong. And now it was all gone. It would never be. The Jungle is a 1906 novel by American journalist and novelist Upton Sinclair. Sinclair wrote the novel to portray the harsh conditions and exploited lives of immigrants in the United States and Chicago and similar industrialized cities. His primary purpose in describing the meat industry and its working conditions was to advance socialism in the United States. However, most readers were more concerned with several passages exposing health violations and unsanitary practices in the American meatpacking industry during the early 20th century, which greatly contributed to a public outcry. This led to reforms, including the Meat Inspection Act. Sinclair famously said of the public reaction, I aimed at the public's heart, and by accident, I hit it in the stomach. There are naturally difficult situations in life death, accidents, injuries, arguments, job losses, but sometimes the universe throws a curveball, something completely out of left field, something we're not expecting in any way whatsoever. When I first read The Jungle, I found it so intriguingly eerie how one's identity can be easily formed by the setting in which they live and work. Unintended consequences come in many shapes and can have a long-lasting impact on people's lives. It can impact identity, cultures, history, and sometimes our very own existence. For Madeline Coburn, an unintended consequence left her to be identified as legally deceased for 10 years. This is a remarkable story about a woman's life that is filled with mysteries and in some ways is still unresolved. Madeline is not allowed to vote because she was listed as not even living. Your story was featured on CNN. What do you hope to accomplish by sharing your story? I appreciate, again, the opportunity. Um, my name is Madeline Michelle Coburn. Uh, at least that's what I've been known all my life. <laughs> uh, named after my aunt, Madeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and this situation that I've experienced and I've been dealing with Considering the financial hardship and economic hardship, mm-hmm. it started in 2007. I was a student uh, attending here in St. Louis, Missouri, Webster University. Okay. Uh, I, I had been in school already almost probably about a year and a, almost going on a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was in the process of uh, doing my summer internship in 2007 
Uh, I had gotten selected in a capstone program through the uh, International Business Intern Exchange Program mm -hmm. uh, through Webster University um, to go to, to, I chose Ghana. I oh. wanted to understand the tariff and trading, exporting and importing of how business worked in Ghana. So that was part of my, uh, it would have been, shall I say, because I never left the country. Oh, okay. um, prior to me applying for my student loans for the summer internship, uh, that's what ended up coming back from the credit bureau report that I was deceased with a code 29 on my name. Hmm. So needless to say, things had down spiraled from there because it caused me to have to be withdrawn from college. Um, at the time, oh. I couldn't graduate. Oh, um, wow. I lost out on my international internship. Uh, I lost my home. My uh, U.S. bank account was shut down. Um, my car was repossessed. Wow. I, everything that was tied to the Social Security number that I've always known to have, mm. um, that's what the fraud was done on. It was so mysterious of how this thing happened. CNN had to get involved. It was on wow. local news here in St. Louis, and then it trickled to CNN and then, of course, it went viral from there. But for all of these years, I've been trying to get legal um, help to, to, to help me with this process because it was always thought to be identity theft, hmm. only to find out and discover within the last three years. Mm -hmm. It was never identity theft in regards to the way that it was the perception was. Um, I went through all paperwork filing on the, the local level with police departments, state level with uh, local uh, the state authorities, all the way to the federal mm. authorities to do paperwork to show, even with IRS, to this mm. day, they're withholding refunds of my money from 2018 oh, wow. because they're saying that I'm deceased. IRS has me with a code 9001 that's causes an individual to be claimed as a decedent hmm. and the Social Security Administration has my name and number with the code 29 that causes one to be considered deceased in the death master files of the numbered system with the Social Security Administration I knew none of this hmm. and my background is IT programming but through my experiences and my background professional I was able to navigate through the internet system to find strings of, of links that could lead me to some possibility of understanding how did this thing happen because it was just not my story. I was included in an article with CNN doing a story on, hey, Social Security, I'm not dead. And even at the time when my story aired in 2007, and here we're already 13 years in, and the problem still is not fixed. At that time in 07, they had done articles, and the same article my article was listed in, and people mm -hmm. had been declared to see 16, 18, 20 years, and didn't wow. even know. Wow. So when I began to do the research to how all this happened, which I, I really am thankful for your audience, because it could... Mm -hmm possibly will happen to them or has already happened oh, and yeah. they just have not been notified about it oh, what yeah. ends up happening is every year that I've come to realize through a congressional hearing report that was done in May of 2011 with the um, 
Social Security Administration Office of uh, Inspector General, he went before the, the, the Congress to see about getting a new law changed in regards to them truncating, meaning deleting, either of their system, or the better word would be purging, natural living people that are alive, they are classified as deceased without a death certificate. They truncated and took off the names and the numbers of the individuals and could not get it back in what is called the NUMDIT system, N-U-M-D-I-E-N-T. That is the software system that I've come to realize now that I know through the Palms Manual, which is the Bible policy for the Social Security Administration. This is what happened. And in the report that I was able to capture that was pretty much hidden from the American people, that 1.8 million people was truncated from the year of 2007 to the year of 2011 with the Social Security Administration that they had no way of getting back to know who was dead, who was alive. So they created a new system called the Alpha Numbered Numeric Database. That keeps the names and the numbers now of individuals that, are, have, that have live birth certificates born here in America. What I then later found out is that Congress recreated a new law in 2011 of July, and it's titled the Randomization, the Congressional Randomization Act. That's what I now fall upon. They gave me a second Social Security number. That locator starts with 656 that does not belong to any of the 50 states of the United States Republic. Hmm. So I'm just floating out there. And no one understands what is happening with the two social security numbers that I have that are committed as fraud on it with a code. But I have four social security cards with two separate numbers. Wow. The one I was born with and the new one they've given me under the Congressional Randomization Act that is not recognized by the Internal Revenue Service. Therefore, that's why they had to list me as listed as deceased by sending me notification as a 5071C letter. Hmm. In all of this, I'm now listed as dead in the Department of Homeland Security database, the E-Verify database, which goes back to the United States Immigration Consulate database, which I'm not sure why, because I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm right. a native of Missouri. I'm a Missourian. Yeah. So I'm not understanding why I would end up in those databases. So they have me blocked there, which means I cannot work anywhere that I go to try to fill out an application because it's dealing with the I-9 form that I now know goes back to the Department of Homeland Security, the USIC, which is the United States Immigration Consulate. It has me in their database as cross-matched meaning that I am deceased and I'm trying to use my own social security number, but I'm not who I am, as if I'm an immigrant trying to do some fraud. Right. So that's crazy. But has anyone reached out to you? Have you connected with anyone that could help you through this at all in any way? So I spoke with the Department of Homeland Security agent and he explained to me what was going on. They gave me a reference number that I needed to take back to the Social Security Administration. Mm -hmm. Social Security Administration doesn't understand why this is happening because they gave me what is called a death erroneous letter. Oh, wow. You can only get a death erroneous letter if in fact they've made error in regards to you being listed as deceased, quote, mm -hmm. as a decedent, and you're really non-decedent, meaning that you're alive. Mm -hmm. That's how I got the new number. 
because of their error. They've admitted their error through their physical acting attorney Mm. in their Baltimore national office. And now I have a lawsuit because they say they have immunity. They understand the problem. They Mm. apologize for the error. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't have any retribution through them. They gave me a right to sue letter, Mm. the, the, the national office, so to speak. So now I have a case in the Federal Eastern District Court of Missouri, Coburn versus Saul Andrews. He's the commissioner of Social Security Administration. But so much has happened in this ordeal that no one from the local level to the state level, as as well as the federal level, is wanting to take responsibility of this social security database truncating over 1.8 million people that I have been one of them, has not been able to vote in 13 years. I can't do anything as it states in the Bible. I didn't understand all of this. I mean, yeah, I understand you can't buy or sell or do anything, but that's real. Hmm. When they shut your social security number down, as I was told, that's your life. They deactivated the original number and reactivated a new number. That let me know they're looking at us as aliens Hmm. slash non-deceitant residents of the United States of America. I didn't make this up. Hmm. I have all proof and documentation to show what happened, how it happened, and how it has affected over 1.8 million people in this report that I have. Mm-hmm. But apparently this is a pattern of practice that the Social Security Administration allows through their numbed system to purge natural living people, personal identifiable information that causes them an economic and financial hardship then they have the proof of burden, like myself, to prove that I am who I am. That's just crazy. And I've had to go all the way back into three generations of my family, back mm. to 1868, during the time slavery was emancipated, to find my great-grandfather and grandmother, to lead all the way up to my grandmother and my grandfather, then to my mother and my father. This mm. is all documentations of death certificates and, and the burial Tr- uh, uh, trust that I had to get mm. to show that these are my ancestors, this is my mother and father, right. I am who I am I'm not dead Right. so I've had to file all this in court because the state of Missouri Vital Records Director Joyce Lovingring mm. told me personally that because she could not find a death certificate on me in the state of Missouri that I was going to have to get a judge to write a court order Wow. Title expectancy of life to prove that I'm alive. <laughs> to prove that you're alive. In order for me to be able to operate back in commerce. I thought that was so absurd. That sounds completely absurd. When did all this start happening? This happened in January of 2007. I didn't find out until March of 2007 when I applied for extended uh, student loan to go for my international internship. So from March 2007 to February the 12th, 2020, I'm still listed as deceased in the Department of Homeland Security database, E-Verified database, mm-hmm. Internal Revenue Service database, as well as the Social Security Administration database. And no one seemingly knows how to fix this problem. And I've already told them what the problem is. But seemingly, as I've been told 
by one of the Social Security Administration agents out of Region 6 District, that's Kansas City, Missouri, Mm-hmm. That she sees the problem, but she's having a hard time removing the fraud code off of the number. Mm-hmm. So therefore, the new number I got, she told me I should not be using that number because it's deemed as fraud as well because it cross-referenced and linked to the old number. Wow. That's why can't nothing happen on my behalf, getting a job, credit card, applying for a mortgage, a car, or anything, mm-hmm. because the number is coded as fraud. So because of that, I had to end up writing the White House, Donald Trump. Okay. And not knowing if I would get a response, but I understand he's speaking on Social Security Administration Mm -hmm. now about Mm -hmm. the infallacies and the deficiencies that they're doing and have cost the American people. So I thought I would go ahead and write him to express to him in my written consent of what has happened. And he wrote back through his White House correspondent staff. Oh, nice. He said he'd look into the matter, which he did, quote, because I then got a follow-up letter from the National Social Security Administration office in response to them saying they received the letter on my behalf written to the president. They yeah. wanted to find out what was going on, mm-hmm. but they sent me back to the local office. Oh, the man. local office contacted me to let me know that they had been contacted by the national office on behalf of my letter to Donald Trump at the yeah. White House. Yeah. They did not even understand the manager that called me in my local town, St. Louis, Missouri, the local office. Mm-hmm. He's a new manager. So he was totally blindsided by what is going on. I've never dealt with this before. And the manager you prior dealt with at this office is no longer here. No. So what happened and I didn't feel the need to have to go back through all of what has taken place when he had some of the documents he pulled up in the computer but he was missing a lot of the documents that Mm. I had already sent into their office I had been to their office twice last year 2019 Mm -hmm. trying to fix this problem again and again not counting over the 12 years I've been consistently at this wow It wasn't until 2018 when they issued me a new social security number. Mm -hmm. That's caused more problems now than what originally has happened in my life. I can see that. So needless to say, I've been on an advocacy campaign in bringing about the erroneous acts of what has been taking place within the Social Security Administration, Mm. as well as how it has damaged the lives of natural living consumers slash people because that's how they quote us in their database Hmm. we're not considered as natural living people right everyone with the social security number is listed as a decedent Hmm. in the social security administration enumeration database wow so so getting that new card does that open your eyes to anything that let me know why the problems are happening they're robbing the people of their estates I'm even trying to deal with my mother and father who is now decedents because they are dead, but I'm listed as dead and they're treating me as such. I can't get any records of my mother and father to prove anything in regards to my own records, Mm. but they're trying to fix the record. And all of of this is is a mess. I don't know how I'm going to quote unquote bring this back to the forefront to the national level yeah in order to let the american people know you need to check with your local offices to see if in fact you were not 
listed in their purge database. Because what will happen is this. If you're unaware and it's time for you to retire Mm -hmm. and you go and apply for your retirement benefits, if in fact it's known that you had been truncated or purged from their numbed system from Mm -hmm. 2007 and 11 and say you're trying to retire now in 2020, Mm -hmm. they're going to only tell you they don't have any records of your work or income or wages. It's as if you've never worked in your life before. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you have to prove that you are who you are and bring forth documentation of your existence and your work history because all of that was purged in their system as if you never existed. And I've now been issued a special agent assigned from Mm -hmm. the U.S. Department of Treasury. Wow. The U.S. Department of Treasury have a department that is like the police department over the Internal Revenue Service. Yeah. So I had to file a complaint in that regard. And now that I'm speaking and in communication with this special agent, Drew Palmer is his name. Mm -hmm. He didn't know that I was listed as deceased in the system. That's why they had to open up an investigation on my taxes. Because the Internal Revenue Service has me listed as deceased, but they had an income claim as showing that I was due a refund, but right. they sent me a letter saying block funds. That so it's now be. been a, since 2018 that I filed last year, February. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it, we had another tax year. Right. So now it's going on two years now that I've been waiting on a tax refund There's to no prove taxes. that I am who I am. And they told me they five to six months behind as of December 18th. 2019 when I called the Internal Revenue Service Examination Department, Hmm. I was told that my documentation is sitting in queue waiting to be investigated and reviewed, but because of the shutdown of February of 2019 through Donald Trump's administration, Hmm. that put the Internal Revenue Service five to six months behind before they could release any refund credits. So that's where I'm stuck at now. I was told to call every 30 days to see what the process is. Hmm. But they are backed up five to six months. Now, you do the math. Five or six months would mean May or June of 2020 before I hear anything. And I filed February the 18th of 2019 to get a refund for the tax year of 2018. Wow. How can I work? And I'm listed as dead. Do you see where I'm going with this? I I totally understand. I I get it. I'm, I'm also thinking about you're saying so many other people have gone through this. Tell me a little bit more about that. That I have a report of Hmm. 1.8 million Americans that does not even probably know that they've been listed as deceased in the death master file of the Social Security Administration. Crazy, 1.8 million. Like, how would they even know? You know, like you would have known unless you would have uh, filed for scholarships and such. If I hadn't applied for financial aid back in 2007 for my international internship mm-hmm. through Webster University. Yeah. I would have not known unless I would have applied for like a credit card or hmm. a, a mortgage. You have to apply for something in commerce in order to get a rejection back from the credit, one of the three major credit bureaus. Hmm. That's how you'll get your alert because the Social Security Administration is not sending out notices to let people know that they made an error. It's Hmm. like, oops, it's on you. If you find out, come to us. We'll give you what is known as a death erroneous letter. Hmm. And then you can give that to all of your creditors to let them know that 
we've made a mistake, we've corrected That's the error, and to fix their records, to release you from being deceased. So you have to be the one that does that. How, how have you been processing through this? This is just seems like so much to, to even understand and get all the information for. How have you been processing all this? I'm still battling and advocating for my rights mm -hmm. that has been stripped from me pretty much yeah. for 13 years. Mm -hmm. I have not been able to operate and to do nothing. I can understand. Has, has anything helped along the way? I mean, has anything brought credibility to your name so far? I do have a tort case right now, but that's just sitting. A federal judge has already recused himself. Uh, judge Ronnie White Sr., he's already recused himself here in the Eastern District Court of Missouri. I now have a magistrate judge that's been assigned, hmm. but I haven't heard anything else since November of 2019 when this new magistrate judge took over. Okay. I don't know why he recused himself. I just know the documents that I filed mm -hmm. is a preponderance of evidence that is facts. Right. It is nothing to speculate. I have letterheads and letters from these different agencies apologizing for their errors. Mm -hmm. That's why I had to make the measurement movement of filing in court. Somebody got to rectify this equity problem. Right. Yeah. I didn't cause this. No. And it's not just me. Right. There are millions of others like me that may that's, not even be aware until they go vote. This is an election year, presidential election year, census bureau year. Yeah. A lot of people are going to be caught up in this diabolical of a mystery of not existing and it's going to cause problems from henceforth this year because of what we're faced with the census bureau counting hmm. as well as the presidential election trying to go vote i haven't been able to vote or be counted in 13 years right 13 and i have proof of that yeah they knew what they were doing leading up to this presidential election due to math Congress mm. came and stepped right in to cover up their era by creating a new law called the Congressional Randomization Act. Wow. Our numbers have randomly been pulled from a pool and bulk of numbers that's issued. Mm. But the number locator does not go back to showing that I am from Missouri. Right. I was born here yeah. in Missouri. I'm a native of Missouri. Mm -hmm. But my social security number, the second one that they gave me, does not tied back to Missouri. 656 is the first three digits of the new number they gave me and that does not match to any 50 states because right. these are like wild card numbers. Hmm. Missouri numbers locator starts from 400 to 500. If you have a number, three digit number starting at 400 and up to five, that lets people know you're from Missouri. Your card right. was issued from Missouri. Yeah. Your records are from Missouri. Yeah, that's what these codes are for. I didn't go to school for this. I learned this yeah. in these 13 years to understand the sequential nine digit numbers. What does this mean? How can a number cause mm -hmm. you to be dead and cut off your lifespan? Wow. And I have become that chancellor's voice to get the word out. I will yeah. continue to talk about the infallacies and the corruption that has taken place through the Social Security Administration when it comes to us American people. Mm that has been robbed of our states, right. robbed of our ancestry heritage under capitalist dementio maxima. Mm. They've taken our names that was given to us at birth and mm. recreated a fictitious corporate entity in all capital letters, 
that is not who I am. Right. It's been attached to a non-sequential digit number to be traded on the international stock market. Hmm. I have proof of all of this, that it's happening to all of us. We are being traded on an international stock market. Really? Under the GMEI utility database. That's where all of the LEIs, meaning legal entity identifiers, that is indexed and masked through your social security number given to you as a hmm. fictitious entity, corporate company. That's how you're able to get a driver's license and all these things. I didn't go to school for this. Nobody right. taught me this. Their era through government allowed me to see the infallacies of how they're using us, human, natural living people, as human resource. We are known as chattel. We are known as chattel paper. Hmm. Our birth certificates, as it was quoted in the Social Security Administration that database, their palms manual, we are listed as decedents. D-E-C-E-D-E-N-D -E -E N-T yeah. Meaning yeah. that's dead Right, absolutely Well, uh, there's going to be probably a lot of people wanting to reach out to you For more information, trying to figure this out I mean, this is a story that's unforgettable How can people find you? How can people learn more about this? Um, where do they need to go to, to get in contact with you and, and learn more about all this? Yes, I can be reached. If anybody's on Facebook, you can find me under Madeline Coburn. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn as Madeline Coburn. Mm -hmm. uh, my company is Coburn Enterprise. It's a LLC. You can easily pull me up that way. Or you can email me at CoburnEnterprise06 at gmail.com. Those are the three entities that I can be reached at. I actually respond within 24 hours. I've been helping lots of people across this country that have contacted me based on finding the CNN article. If yeah. you want to pull that up, you can pull up Madeline Coburn, C-O-B-U-R-N, Webster University student dead, and mm. that'll bring the article right up. It's been had over a million hits. I don't know why, but yeah. I'm not the only person that this is happening to. I'm not the only person this is happening to. Listening to the story, it just makes you think, that is so true. I'm not the only person this is happening to. In those situations where you feel like, this must be so crazy, this must be so out of left field. Could I really be the only person in the whole world to experience this? And most unlike, more than likely, the, the probability is no, there's gonna be others. And if I know who these other people are, can I connect to them? And then can I learn from them? The truth is, there are people out there that have experienced very strange and unexpected situations. Ones that maybe they haven't had closure with or situations that they can't explain. Now we're not talking about like you know, mysterious aliens, things like that. We're talking about very, very real, but very out of left field situations that can be tangible, can be understood, but are just very off the wall and make you step back and, and be stunned that you are living in this reality. You're living in a reality where this thing could happen. 
People are going to respond to that in different ways. People are going to seek help from different people. And they're going to find different outlets of care. They're going to define, they're going to be able to define that experience for themselves, but they're also going to run into people that are willing to help them and willing to care for the situation that they've experienced to help them get better definition and better clarity. Mallory DeSalle is an integrated care change agent. She went to Indiana University and Truman State University. She's a nationally certified counselor, a licensed mental health counselor, a certified clinical health counselor. If there's letters to be acquired, she's got them. She views humor as a clinical tool. Motivational interviewing or screening and brief interventions are her forte. She speaks, trains, facilitates in all these areas. Mallory, when you hear of such stories, such as Madeline's, one of confusion, frustration, what runs through your mind and how do you respond? Hello. Hey. My name is Mallory DeSalle and I am a licensed mental health counselor. Mm -hmm. I also work as a trainer in the area of motivational interviewing okay. and screening, brief intervention, referral to treatment, mm -hmm. as well as training and facilitation of learning in the areas of wellness and humor. Mm -hmm. One of the things that is important when you meet me and work with me is to know how important humor is to my work. And the way that that really evolved was a transition, not only in philosophy, but really in self-acceptance. Mm. So as a young person, I saw myself as silly and awkward and goofy and because of my small stature i found that i had to work harder to gain the approval or acceptance of others so i used humor as a way of gaining attention and notoriety and over the course of time, I realized that I was embarrassed by the fact that I was silly, mm. that I worked really hard to be seen as serious, uh -huh. and that I really discouraged myself from being who I really was, mm -hmm. which is someone who enjoys humor. Yeah. When I realized that humor is not a flaw, that humor is something that can be helpful, right. that it's who I am as a person and that it makes me unique and special and it's mm -hmm. a strength. I found that I became more authentic and could make connections with others in a more genuine way. Yeah. I've heard the case made that humor in counseling is an avoidance response and in some ways a defense mechanism. However, I have also heard that it's our body's way of surviving, allowing us to feel something other than the painful emotions we might carry. What's your take and how do you distinguish between a healthy response and an avoidant one? As a mental health therapist, humor is something that can be seen in two ways. It can be seen as a deflection. It could be seen as a way of not facing one's pain. 
However, humor and laughter can also be incredibly healing. And so first I want to distinguish the difference between humor and laughter because yeah. they are very different things, though they may be related and connected. Right. First of all, humor is very individual. Each person has their different lens on what they think is funny mm -hmm. and how they engage in funny. Some people really appreciate humor and other people try and show humor. And those two things are very different. Yeah. Humor is really about acknowledging what is unexpected, what is absurd, mm -hmm. what we think is outside of the ordinary, and then poking fun at it. Mm -hmm. Laughter is sometimes how we express humor. However, laughter is your body's reaction and it's a physical action and you don't have to find something funny to laugh. Right. Laughter in and of itself is an exercise that can help your body. And the ways that it helps your body are simply by one, when you're laughing, you are bringing additional oxygen into your physical body, which puts yeah. oxygen into your bloodstream, which makes you feel better. Hmm. It also gives you some neurological benefits, such as dopamine, for instance. Right. And dopamine is an essential neurotransmitter because it helps us remember things. Yeah. It helps us feel pleasure. Mm -hmm. And when we're laughing, dopamine is increased in our body. We also feel more serotonin, which is the wellness, the strength and, and whole and healthy neurotransmitter. Mm -hmm. So serotonin is often a substance that is used in treatment of mental health. And when you laugh, you get a little bump of serotonin. Yeah. Serotonin is essential to wellness, and so laughter can often be a way that people increase their serotonin. Yeah. Laughter also increases our exchange of oxytocin. Oxytocin is one of those neurotransmitters that some people call the love <laughs> neurotransmitter. Right. However, I like to call it the trust neurotransmitter. Okay. And when you're laughing in a group of people, this really cool thing happens where oxytocin grows between the two people. Mm. And so we find that groups of people that laugh together have a higher sense of trust. So laughter can help in relationships, not only personal relationships, but work relationships. Yeah. And it can help bond people. For sure. And laughter in and of itself helps reduce the cortisol in our system or stress. Mm. And so laughter can reduce our feeling of heaviness and weight and and feeling overwhelmed by mm -hmm. itself. Yeah. So when we think about trauma, when we think about the experiences that we've just heard about mm -hmm. in the story of loss of identity, yeah. we could hear that there's opportunities for humor or laughter to be used as a mm -hmm. technique to address it. Mm -hmm. Now here's the thing about laughter or humor. Okay. It doesn't take away the sadness. Yeah. It doesn't take away the pain. 
Right. Laughter and humor is a momentary reprieve or respite. And that's important for people to remember because mm -hmm. when they say laughter is the best medicine, medicine is sometimes seen as curative. Right. But I see it as one of many ways to address the symptoms that we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And it's not the only solution. Just like other interventions, humor needs to be combined with other mental health and support network building and other interventions. For sure. As a facilitator of learners and as a communication facilitator, mm -hmm. I often find myself looking for ways to use humor. Mm -hmm. As a facilitator in the area of motivational interviewing and brief interventions, mm -hmm. I use humor a lot. Yeah. Now, this is not for the same purpose that I suggested when it comes to your own resolution or discomfort mm -hmm. or reprieve or respite from pain. Right. Instead, I use humor with learners as a way of increasing engagement. So humor can be a way that we can keep people involved. It will help people feel a connectivity to the content. It helps them remember the exchange, remember dopamine. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about humor, we can think about therapeutic application of humor for one's treatment of ailments. We can also think about it as a learning tool and technique. Mm -hmm. We can think about it as a relationship tool. Therapeutic humor has so many different ways of enhancing yeah. our experiences and our life that it's really just about how you apply it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, application is such a huge part of it. I'm trying to think though as well though, in situations that are, that seem to be so, so serious, maybe even traumatic, how, how does that, how do you navigate that? Uh, I mean, what kind of segues do you use? How do you lean into uh, painting a portrait of something being humorous when it's impacted someone so deeply, you know? Thinking about the story that we just heard when it comes to loss of self and really rejection from the world and the world's identity mm -hmm. that you've been seeking so much, I think about humor in lots of different ways, but mm. in particular, I relate it to a time where I had a painful trauma, mm. and I think about how humor played a role in my healing. Okay. In a lot of ways, the story of having identity loss mm. is what most people, I say the word most, but mm -hmm. I, I'm that's a guess. Right, right. I, I would assume that when people experience trauma, like in my own experience, mm -hmm. we feel this question of, is this real? Am right. I who I think I am? Do I have to change everything about myself because of this experience? Right, absolutely. And, you know, especially with the story that we just heard, even uh, like having to prove, you know, that, that you're alive. Would you mind sharing a little bit about your your uh, trauma or history? In 2017, 
I was working really hard in my area of expertise. I had found myself in a leadership role in planning an international conference of motivational interviewing trainers. Mm -hmm. I was presenting at this particular conference on how to use games and play okay. to help learners yeah. develop their skills in motivational interviewing. Mm. And I had arranged to do a stand-up comedy set at a comedy club. Oh, All of this is taking place in the beautiful country of Ireland. Oh, so wow. amongst all of those amazing things, I want you to know that I was doing all of that internationally. Gotcha. Given the fact that I'm originally located in the middle of the Midwest in <laughs> Indiana. Yeah. So this is a long time coming. I had been developing my comedy stand-up. Mm -hmm. I had been working on facilitating MI for five years at that point, six years at that point, and I was looking to become a leader in the field. Mm -hmm. So I was on this upward trajectory in my profession and I felt like I was at the peak thus far. Okay. When I arrived in Ireland, everything was on schedule. Mm -hmm. I was involved in a social event where I spent time with my friends, eating dinner and joining with friends from across the world but mm -hmm. I knew that the very next morning I would be starting the conference I mm -hmm. had my speaking experience prepared and that night I was doing stand-up in Dublin mm -hmm. so I very intentionally took care of myself I had my dinner I minimized how much alcohol I consumed and mm -hmm. I was the first person to go to bed Okay. set my alarm for six in the morning and I mm. tried to get some sleep knowing that the very next day was the biggest day of my career wow. mm. the first thing that I remember was feeling like I must have been having a, a vivid dream I remember mm. telling myself go back to sleep Mallory you don't have much time and when I opened my eyes again, I remember feeling confused about where I was and whether or not I was really there or if I was still dreaming. Mm. I remember feeling physically cold and damp mm. and I remember thinking, what is going on? When I touched my face and looked at my hands, I realized that I had blood all over my hands. Oh, wow. And at that point, it became real. Mm -hmm. I realized that something very traumatic had happened, but I wasn't sure why. Mm -hmm. After trying to gather my bearings, I realized that I was in my bathroom of my hotel room and that something had happened and I had an injury, though I wasn't sure what it was or why. Mm. I went in and out of consciousness and eventually once I found the energy to become more alert, I crawled across my hotel room to my mm. cell phone where I contacted my husband via FaceTime. My husband was in the United States and because the room was in total darkness and I was fearful that I'd lose consciousness by standing, right. all he saw was the blue light of my phone on my face, which mm. was covered in blood. 
And I remember saying to him, I think I have a head injury, but I don't know why. Wow. After his alert and strong recommendation of you need to get help, you need an ambulance. Yeah. I called another American that was in the hotel with me and she came to my room and I found the strength to crawl to the door and let her in. And we did call an ambulance and they took me to Dublin where they treated me for a head injury, a concussion. They assessed to see what might have happened and really no reason for what occurred was ever confirmed. Wow. Now throughout that experience, I want you to picture me okay. taking the experience in from the very peak of my goals for being in Dublin to having all of it washed away in a matter of minutes. The morning started and I was in the hospital, so the conference that I had planned, I wasn't a part of. My conference session had to be canceled and I had a concussion and it was unclear if I was having seizures or if I had a heart issue or it was unclear what happened so we had to cancel my stand-up so all of that just all of that in a blink of an eye not to mention the fact that I had a concussion a head injury and I'm in a foreign country completely alone from my friends and family my identity of who I was and and why I was there was in question yeah and what had happened and why was in question and what does that have to do with humor what does that have to do with healing what does that have to do with the stories that we're talking about today well the entire ambulance drive to Dublin I was cracking jokes Hmm. I tried to crack jokes with the physician you know I said to him this all would have happened if I would have had a Guinness instead of an American beer (laughs) Mm -hmm. I told the ambulance driver I don't know much about the hospitals in Ireland, but whichever one you pick, it needs to have the best coffee in Ireland. Jeez. I used jokes to keep myself safe until someone helped create an environment where I could feel safe enough to express the pain. And that didn't happen until I returned to the hotel when a colleague and friend of mine was present with me and showed empathy to my circumstance and let me melt into a puddle. Right. So humor at that point helped keep me safe because I wasn't ready to feel the pain. And then since that time, humor has helped me take breaks from feeling the pain. That makes sense. And since that time, I have discovered that using humor as something we have to do with purpose and intention. Mm. We can't do it accidentally. We need to do it with therapeutic intention, which means knowing what we're doing and why. And so if you are using humor, I ask you to get curious with, is this for you? Is this for your client? Mm. Is this to take the pain away or is this to help them see pain in a new way. 
Um, is this to give them a break from the pain or is this to make fun of the pain? Mm. No matter what you do with humor, do it with intention. Wow. I'm really glad that I had an opportunity to share about my story, my role, and how I see humor playing a role in all of our worlds. I see humor as one of many tools, mm -hmm. and I think that it's a way that we can all find ourselves getting stronger by just taking a minute to laugh. Our identity is created and shaped by many elements, like we've discussed, upbringing, education, culture, unique experiences, heritage, genetics, the list goes on. Who we are is so foundational and concrete to our daily living. Without it, we would be without definition. I want to leave you with a few questions to reflect on. Who would you be if you could hit reset? Where and when in life do you feel your identity was most shaped and formed? And lastly, when was the time you felt robbed of yourself? Your identity lost or taken in some way, a piece of you missing. I think one of the reasons I enjoyed reading The Jungle so much is because it provided a clear picture of tension. It doesn't aim to please the audience and reader, instead, it gives the reader a glimpse of reality that shape identity even if they are difficult to accept. Much like various attributes we may hold, they can be hard to believe about our own selves. If you're dealing with issues, whether it be it identity or other various mental health issues, don't hesitate to reach out. There are many hotlines, free resources, and mental health services local to you. When even one of us takes mental health seriously, all of us benefit. The stigma has been lifted. Anyone that says different is harboring their own internal conflict. Until next time. Jiri Shaheen is a licensed professional counselor and nationally certified counselor operating in and around St. Louis, Missouri. Jiri holds his master's in professional counseling from Lindenwood University, a bachelor's in intercultural studies from Lincoln Christian University, and holds a certificate in life coaching, providing services to clients online globally.